off, that's enough. Get a cheeky one more hug in and come back to your seats. All right, all right. So, no, it's cool. All right, so while you're coming back to your seats, tell, tell your friend again, friend. friend. You're looking great today. I really love you. I really love you. I really love you. All right, so first of all, I wanted to turn to a Bible passage. So let's go to Mark 12, 30 to 31. And when you're there, say, friend. Yeah, I was going to say friend. <laughs> Buzzword. Buzzword. Okay, so, um, yeah. So it says, so it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So I'll repeat that again. Um, I'll go from 28, actually. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so I just wanted to start off looking at love. And um, the fact that the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, was to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is not even saying, this is not even your friend. This is your neighbor. And I know you guys have heard, like, well, some of you may have heard of the Good Samaritan, and the guy asks, well, who is your neighbor? And it continues, who is your neighbor? It's basically... Every single person, any person you meet is your neighbor. So God is saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Not even your friend, your neighbor. So we're going to go into what does it look like to love your friends? What does it look like to have godly community? What does it look like to have friendship? And, and what is, how do we show love? And the word love here is agape. Has anyone heard of the word agape? Yeah, agape love. So there's loads of different love, um, you know, the love, like sexual love, you know, love that naturally occurs in like a family, that's a different kind of love, uh, agape, um, which is like a sacrificial love, and it's like, a, it's a love that puts into action, it's not just you just love people um, naturally, but it's something that you have to do, it's an action, agape, can everyone say agape? agape. Yeah, and it's, um, it's not, it's, it's, it's for all people. And then there's another kind of love, which is called filio. Can, you, can everyone say filio? So, and it's, it's a brotherly kind of love, and it's one beyond agape, between like close friends and between brothers. And that's what um, some of the examples in that we're going to share, um, they had that kind of love. But I'm going to hand it over to EK before I go on to that. Yeah, so thank you, Vanita. Um, right. <laughs> sounds like, I feel like, yeah, news report. Talk show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when we were talking about just um, friendship in general, I really felt like this week God was really walking me through it. And on Saturday, I remember, was it Friday? On the weekend, I remember I was reading um, John 15, and um, in there, Jesus basically says, my one command to you is to love, is to love each other deeply. And I just started thinking, 
of all the things that God could, um, Jesus could have said in that one moment, he chose love. And I started thinking to myself, like, what actually is love? And when it comes to friendship, I think there's been, in, like, in our lives, we have different situations where um, we might have, like a, like, a hardship in our friendship. And we think it's, it seems like something so new or so big that other people might not be able to advise us on. And just looking into my life, I think one thing that I can always turn to is the word of God. So it's just been such a testimony this past year. I feel like when there have been difficulties in my friendship, I've gone to, to the word of God and I've just, like I'll go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't know if we can um, get that projected up. But, but basically, 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about love. And whenever I find myself in a difficult situation, I go to that um, verse in the Bible and I say, love is patient. So if Jesus is telling me that I am to love deeply, he's telling me to show patience deeply. He's saying, I want you to show kindness deeply. Love does not envy, it does not boast. It's not proud and it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking and it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. And I think we can all um, relate to this in terms of, in friendships, um, difficulties happen. And when we can't find that one person that we can turn to and say, hey, this is going on in my life, what would you advise me to do? I think one practical thing that I I would um, advise doing is, to put your name in that verse and say, for example, Lydia. Lydia is patient. Lydia is kind. And just to exercise exactly what Jesus is saying about love in that situation with your friend. And I've just seen it transform a lot of my friendships around me. Like, guys, I'll be irate. <laughs> and just like, how can this person do this to me? Like, and just really in my feelings. But the moment I go back to the source and say, you know what, Jesus, what would you, what would you do in this, this situation? He's saying, I would show kindness. And he's not saying, show kindness tomorrow or show kindness in a year's time when you feel better. No, he's saying, show kindness now. <laughs> Be patient now. You want to go off, but don't. <laughs> and I think, yeah, just this week, God was really just reminding me of that and how when we come back to him, even with our friendships, he's able to lead us to the truth. And others can't always do that for us. And we can't always rely on the advice of man and the advice of others. But we can always trust in the word of God, even with our friendships. Um, Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to share, we wanted to share a few examples today. So um, one quick example was um, David and Jonathan. And um, in 1 Samuel 18, it talks about how um, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even with his sword, his bow and his belt. And, and I think that represents how Jonathan was able to take, not stand in the way of David. So David was supposed to be the king of Israel, was called to be the king of Israel, but Jonathan was Saul's son. So technically he was next in line. But he was able to get out of the way and push David into purpose. And so we just, I feel like maybe some of us have believed the lie that, you know, I'm supposed to do this walk alone. 
You know, God is supposed to satisfy all my needs and I'm supposed to do this. God is enough, you know. But God does satisfy all our needs. And that if enough, but he is calling us to be in deep community. And we hope that if one thing that you get from today's message is that you see all of these different examples of deep relationships in the Bible and how God actually does want you to be intentional with your friendships and to cultivate real community and do this walk with other people. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're just going to quickly tell, like, a story of how we became friends because I just think it's the, it's the funniest story ever, guys. It's awkward. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite awkward, but, yeah, just like, girl. So <laughs> when I first met Benita, we met in first year of university, so we both went to University of Leicester, and... Um, and um, I go, Lester, say what? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I remember one, <laughs> there, was a, there was a day in first year where, um, this was pre-Jesus, we'd, I was, yeah, I was, it, was an, it was a day after a night out and I was kind of hungover and Benita was, I don't know where she popped up from, but we were both walking to uni together. It was a half an hour walk and we didn't really know each other. And I was just walking with her in silence because I had a banging headache. It was so awkward. Was I was trying to make conversation, <laughs> and Ike was not having any of it. She was just <laughs> And fast forward that to two years later, we were both serving in um, our Christian um, fellowship on campus called Radical Youth. Yeah. And we were both on team, but yeah, even then, guys, it was just still so awkward. Very awkward. Do you want to tell them about the, the meeting that we had? Oh, gosh. Well, basically, we had this meeting, and um, I, I'm someone that internalizes things, and I'm still working on it. But, like, I would just, like, take L's, and I would just, like, you know, forget about it. Just, like, you know, it's calm, it's calm. We're serving the Lord. It's calm, it's calm. But then, you know, even though we're serving the Lord, we're supposed to, you know, talk it out and, like, you know, deal with our emotions. But anyway, so I had let a lot of things build up for a few months, and then we had got to this meeting, and I started crying, and then all of the girls on that, on that, on that team came in and they all started crying and it was just a very emotional outburst and yeah well, me and EK had just like looked at each other and we were like I was like DK like what like it felt like there was some kind of barrier here and I was like you know like what what is the barrier it feels like you're you're you know you've got this wall up uh, um, against me and you, you don't want to like open up like I'm trying to like talk to you and like you're you got a wall up and um, she was just talking about, or do you want to say? You go. Yeah, so it was, it was basically where I was at in that moment was I became born again. And um, I felt like I was finally finding my, like, finding my feet is who EK is in Christ. And there was just like a, already a group of people around me. And I found stability in that. And just looking at Benita, I was like, we're so different. This could, like, it could, it could just shake me and I wouldn't know where I was going. And I think because of the, the difference that I perceived from her to, to me and that how different I thought we were in that moment, I thought, nah, this friendship just couldn't work. So I just couldn't figure her out. And I was like, I don't, think, I don't know if I have the energy to. I, guys, I said that. I was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, but it was obviously like, obviously like I'm Sri Lankan, UK is Nigerian. Nigerian. Yeah. So, it, but... The obvious differences, of course, like culturally, were different. But I feel like it was more than that. 
it was like I was very um, energetic um, and like very like happy and like smiley. Yeah, yeah. And so like, but then like Ike didn't get it because she'd be like, it, you're so smiley, but like there must be something behind it. So I don't know if you guys can relate to that when you're around different people and you just don't get them. Yeah. You're like, you know, they're just being themselves, but it's it's hard to understand people because we're all different, right? So me and Ike, yeah, she just didn't really understand me. I mean, and it was okay because we're all, like, different. So, yeah, but um, just leading on from that, fast forward... Um, end of third year, we were basically in McDonald's after Hillsong one day, and we were, we were sitting down eating burgers, and Benita turned to me and said, I feel like we're going to be best friends one day. The thing and is, yeah, <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> slipped out, and like, um, I just, the thing is, we weren't even close, like, it was still awkward, like, we still weren't even, like, that close, and then I just looked at her, and I felt like God said that we were going to be best friends, but then, like, I couldn't see it with my eyes, like, we were just so different, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, it wasn't, it, I wasn't being a beg, okay? <laughs> I want everyone to know that right now. <laughs> but like, I, it's just literally like, it just dropped. It just dropped in my, in my spirit. And I looked at EK and I was like, this girl's going to be my best friend. And it was just, it was weird because, yeah, I couldn't see it. We were, we were, I can't, it, it's weird now because we're like close. But I can't describe to you how different we were at the time. Yeah. And I was, in, as I was saying it, it was almost like I was questioning it. Like, mm. I don't really see how this is going to work. But then because it came out, she was looking at me like, then I was like, well. What's going to happen now? <laughs> and then it was, just, it was just awkward. And then we went on the tube and it was awkward. And we kind of forgot about it because what can you do with yeah. that, you know? And, um, and then... Um, and now we just we just revel in the awkwardness of, of who God has created us to be, and we just love it together. But with that being said, I think it just reminded me um, of the story of Naomi and Ruth a little bit. And um, basically, Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law in the Bible, and they were from two different tribes. So um, Naomi was an Israelite, and Ruth was from Moab. And even... Aside from just relig um, culture, religiously they served two different gods, so they were they were completely they were completely different. And um, years after, when they, that setting in the Bible, the Israelites were always at war with the Moabites. So it just puts into context how far off that they really were um, in terms of culture and religion and everything else. And one day, um, Naomi loses her son and her husband, which is also um, Ruth's husband, and. Naomi says to her two daughter-in-laws, my sons are dead. I can't give you any more sons to have more children. It's better that you go back to your hometown and just leave me. And Naomi basically turns around to, um, Ruth turns around to Naomi and says that wherever you go, I will go and your God will be my God. And it just is such a powerful example of how God can bring about friendship even when people are different. And we were just talking about the, um, the story of Ruth and Naomi and about specifically healing in friendships also. And I'm going to pass over to Benita just to go more into that. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to read like what Ruth actually said. She said, um, when Naomi said, you know, go back, go back to, to Moab, no, Moab, like you don't owe me anything, you know. And Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And I, I just wanted to say that here again is another example of a biblical friendship where she gave her whole life to serve her mother-in-law, you know, her friend. Her, she, these relationships aren't superficial relationships. You know, they, they, they sacrificially say, I'm not going back to comfort where I can go and get married and, you know, have my, have my life. You know, I'm still young. She was, still a she was young, but she was a widow. And she could have just continued her life in the community that she knew. But she chose to stay in a land that she didn't know because she was loyal to Naomi. And then um, even beyond that, Naomi was called, um, she called herself bitter, Mara, um, because she was, she was in mourning. She had lost her two sons, and she, she described how, um, she says, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune, misfortune upon me. So Naomi was so, so hurt, so bitter because of all the things that had happened around her. And then if we go in a few chapters, it talks about how Ruth meets Boaz and um, all the different things change. And Naomi is filled with joy. And the thing that really sticks out to me with, in that example is that Ruth's consistency and her loyalty to Naomi healed her heart, you know? There's, there's something about when someone, when someone stays, when someone sees you through the tough times. And um, I just want to share something about EK. So even through the story of all the awkwardness and, you know, all of that. Um, yeah, like EK has, been, EK has been someone that has stuck by me um, for the last three years. And um, there were many, many times where I was really, really down. And I would repeat the same story to her over and over and over again. And I've just seen my heart healed um, because of EK's consistency. Um, she would always be there to listen to me on the phone. She, the way that she sees me, um, I can see that she sees who who I'm supposed to be, rather than like the flaws that I see in myself. Like, I don't know if you guys feel like that. Sometimes you feel like your flaws are the only things that you can see. But EK will call out things in me. And she, when I felt so underqualified for many of the things that we were doing here in Imprint, EK would be the one that's beside me that's just pushing me and saying, you know, you can do this, you're called to this. Um, she, she's just one of my biggest blessings. And uh, yeah. This is awkward. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm and, and I'll say one thing. She, you know, she's a real friend because um, there was one event, I won't say which one, most of the ones, sometimes I get stressed out. And um, she, instead of saying, like, are you okay? She was like, I bought you a meat pie. <laughs> and I was just like, she knows me because I get You're not you when you're yeah, hungry. Yeah. <laughs> know your friends, people. Yeah, but, um, know your friends. Yeah, just ultimately what I really feel like God was saying with this story of um, 
Ruth and Naomi. And guys, I'm even going to get to Benita and how she's a, been a blessing. But with Ruth and Naomi is how God is so willing to heal your past hurts with friendships. Because the thing with Naomi is that she lost at the beginning of the story. She was at a loss and she, she identified herself with her loss. But like Benita was saying, when Ruth stuck with her, Eventually, when Ruth married Boaz, she was still Naomi's daughter, and Ruth bore a son, and Naomi said, I have a son again, and there was healing from that place of hurt through what Ruth did. And sometimes friendship is a risk. We, we take, there's a risk that we have to take. Ruth had to take that risk and saying, I'm not going to go back to what I know. I'm going to stick with you. And sometimes it can be scary to think, you know, I don't really know this person, but I'm willing to put my, put my life down, lay my life down like Jesus did for the sake of this other person, to see them healed. And I think even um, with me, I went to all-girls school, and I don't know if anyone else here went to all-girls school. Girls, yeah? yeah? They can be brutal. Guys, girls' schools can be brutal. And I just remember, like, leaving... Um, sixth form and think um secondary school going to sixth form it was a bit mixed and I thought I've escaped the torture but it only got worse guys when they now add boys into the mix it's like whoa there's a lot of hormones (laughs) and from there I had so much insecurity with my friendships like I would literally be in situations where girls would lock me in a room with my friend and her new friend and they would talk about me in front of me yeah girls girls yeah, we can be mad. <laughs> and coming into uni and being part of a Christian fellowship, I just thought, well, there must be something different here if people serve God and they know the love of God. There must be something different. And maybe it's, maybe it's worth the try. Maybe it's worth reaching out to someone. Maybe it's worth opening up. And through friendships like with Benita, with our other friends from Leicester, and even here, I have seen God say, actually, no, you're not, you're not, you're not, you weren't born a jealous person. You were only jealous because you were hurt in the past. And now every time you're in a, in another um, friendship or relationship, you think that person's going to leave you because you're not good enough. And God has used friendships to, to stamp out the lie that says, you're not good enough to stick, stick around. You're not good enough to be chosen. Because the love of God chooses. It chooses you. And I think, one thing that, um, when Benita was just speaking about um, our friendship, one thing that I have to testify to is none of the things that I've been able to do for, for Benita have come from me. They haven't come from my ability to be a good friend or the works that I can do because I tried for 20 odd years and it flopped. Let's be real. <laughs> we try sometimes and it's like, why isn't it working? Why, does, why, is, why are my, all, my, all my friendships failing? And it's not until I found the love of God that I could say, wow, so this is the love that we're supposed to share with each other. We're not supposed to just turn our backs when things get hard because God doesn't do that. When we were in our mess, and I I know we all have our mess, when we were in it, deep in it, knee deep, elbow deep, (laughs) God was there. He never left. He didn't say, you're too messy for me to to try and turn around. You're too messy for me to love. And that's the kind of friendship and the kind of love he's called us to show into each and every single one of everyone. 
And I think um, if we just quickly read from, sorry guys, everyone okay? Yeah. Vanessa, you good? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, so if we, um, if we read 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, and when you're there, say, friend. <laughs> friend. Okay, it says, we have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in, in love are living in God, and God lives through them. But I'll say the last bit again. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. This is literally just saying that the love that you are able to show, the love of God that you are able to show others is not from you. It takes the pressure off you. You don't have to wake up and think, oh, how can I be a better person today? How many, how, many de- how many good deeds do I have to do for Benita? How many times do I have to call Benita today to be a good friend? But you accepting the love of God allows you to share that same experience with others. And the thing about God's love is it proves itself. Jesus proved his love by dying on the cross, not because there was any pressure to so I'm not talking about the kind of proving that your friend will say, well, if you cared about me, you would have you done this and you would have done... No. It's the love that compels you to do. That you don't even have to think twice. You just, you, you just do. It's like, something, it's like something else takes over. That's the love of God. And, um, yeah. The love of God. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, we don't have much time left, so I'm going to hand over to Benita. Yeah, so um, the thing that really changed for me um, in terms of um, uh, realizing that I actually needed to be intentional about godly community was the fact that Jesus had community. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself in flesh, if he needed community, how are we supposed to be doing this by ourselves? And I really want to break the lie today that you have to do this journey by yourself. Yeah? Because Jesus did life with people. So if we turn to Matthew 26, verses 36. Um, so this is... Um, a time where Jesus is about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, 36. And it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. So this is where he's in, he's, um, he's upset. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He's talking about the cross. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this, the, okay, so first of all, if we look at the model of Jesus, right? Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had three that he kept close to him. His inner circle, three people. Then he had 12 disciples. And then in other parts of the Bible, it talks about how he had 72 disciples. You know, 500 came and listened to him. So he had levels of relationship with different people. And the thing that changed for me was that when I realized that Jesus needed community, I I wanted to follow him and I wanted to follow his example. So Jesus had 12 people that he kept close to him and three people that he really let in. That, and if you see how he treats the three people he let in, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, masking how he was feeling. He was saying, my soul is sorrowful. You know, let this cup be taken away from me. Like, and he, even if the, the three of them were sitting here, Jesus was praying and weeping literally a little bit further away. They could see him in his vulnerable state. They could see how he really felt. So maybe the 500 and the 5,000 could see him preaching on the mountains and healing the people and all this other stuff. But there there were certain people he allowed to see him on that floor, weeping, blood, you know, really sorrowful. So I, yeah, and that's the thing that changed for me. And I hope that it really changes something for you as well. Jesus needed community. You all need community. And sometimes it's about, sometimes we feel like, but then, you know, there's not that many people around. You know, this is people don't really see me. And we just, we give up, have all of these things that we say. And some of those things actually come from a place of hurt, like we've been hurt in the past before. But every single person in this room loves you. And we are a community. And I want to encourage you and I want to call you into being intentional with people around you. So for me, me and EK, we were close, but, you know, we had to build something, you know, when she finally wanted to be my friend. But we had to, we had to build something. So I, I, I would try and be intentional and try and call um, people that, were, that weren't, people that, how do I say this? More like people that I wanted to let in and wanted to be real around. I tried to call them for one hour a week or try and catch up with them once a week. And this was when I was first starting out and I realized that, you know, I need to be intentional with with godly community around me. So I want you to just think in your head of some people that you could reach out to, some people that you can say, you know what, I want to be more intentional with some people in my life. I want to I wanna call them up. I want to know what's actually going on, you know. We, we might see each other. We might say hi and hey, and then we go home. But let's really break out of our box and break out of our shell and really be intentional with people. And let's not, let's not use the excuse that other people aren't coming to us. Be the person that goes out. If you're not on the phone, it's because you haven't picked it up. Be the person. Break that lie. Break that lie that people aren't coming to me. Break it. Break it. We're not having it anymore. 
okay? We're not having it anymore. And also, get yourself into, you know what I'm going to say? A cruise! So we're going to have that thing up. Cruise! Yeah! Yeah! So I know that some of you have been dipping your toe into cruise and then dipping out again. You had an email, you opened it, closed it, got off the page. Like, yeah, think about going to cruise. But I want you, it's a new year. All our doors have always been open, but they're even more open. Join a cruise. Join a cruise. Get into community. Jesus needed community. Y'all need community. Y'all need community, okay? And um, if we look at Acts and we look at um, the early church, um, when the Holy Spirit came down, so after Jesus raised up and the Holy Spirit came down, the fruit of that was love. The fruit of that was they all started meeting up in their homes and started talking about Jesus. They started sharing all their possessions. They started worshipping. They started, um, and then the number grew daily. And that's what cruise is for us. We want to be a community that hears this word, and maybe you're triggered and you're like, oh yeah, I need to call someone. But go into cruise and talk about it. Talk about your hurts. Because right now, I can't talk to you like one-on-one. We can't all talk to each other, right? But talk to people about, but you know what? I'm actually finding this difficult because a few years ago, I was actually hurt. And this is actually challenging because X, Y, and Z. You know, cruise is a place where we can actually talk to one another. And it says, when we share, we, we are healed. Yeah? Like, every single person in here is anointed with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. Every single person has the Holy Spirit inside of them. As they pray for you, you know, Jesus moves. So I just really, really encourage you, you know, get into community, invest in people. And even in your personal lives, call people up on the phone. You know, call them up. Even if you're a person, I hate, you know, oh, I hate being on the phone. Push yourself. Call them. Meet up with them. Have a a coffee. Have a coffee, you know. Because, yeah, because iron sharpens iron. EK has been honest with me when I didn't want her to be honest with me. Yes, and she's pushed me into becoming the person I am now and a lot of my other friends as well. Yeah, see. Do you want to, or should I keep going? Yeah, I, was, I wasn't too sure if we had um, mo- oh. more time left. Do we still have time? A, a bit? Yeah. Sorry, we just... Is it conversing? Yeah. yeah. Conversing. So just tell, tell your neighbor something that triggered you just now. Yeah.
All right, guys. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so um, I think the final thing that we wanted to say was that, um, yeah, God is redeeming. God is redeeming your friendships. He's actually, he's redeeming your friendships. Why didn't you say that after me? He's redeeming my friendships. He's healing my heart. He's, for, he's helping me forgive. He's redeeming my friendships. And, um, yeah, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to share a testimony, um, and I don't know if, um, you guys might be able to relate, but, um, there was, there was a time when, um, I, I felt like such an outsider, and I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but, I felt like such an outsider and there were many things that happened when I was young and um, I just felt really like rejected and so it felt like I would always carry this like hole in my heart that was like I, w I wasn't good enough and that I always needed to do something in order to be better and to do something in order to, to be enough. And I would walk around with this hole, um, like, all the time. And, you know, there were different things that I went to to try and fill it. And, you know, when I finally, like, came back to Jesus and surrendered my life to him, it was through um, different friendships that I realized that, you know, the way that God loves is he loves us through our flaws he, does, he says that we're good enough, like, as we are, and calls us in love to, to change. And, yeah, I just wanted to, um, for us just to stand up. And you can go outside your rows if you want to. Yeah, just maybe, for, like, find some space. But, um... Yeah, I just wanted us to pray. Um, when we were when we were praying about today, we were we felt like God wanted to um, heal people's hearts. That if we felt like we were in a, um, a almost like a prison, that He's breaking people out. And um, yeah, so let's just um, let's 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 pray. And also if. We wanted to do a um, altar call as well. So if you wanted prayer for um, just relationships, friendships, um, past hurts, um, or if you have a, a heart cry to want to look like the early church, to want the Holy Spirit to work through you and to, to, see, to see God move, then please feel free to come to the front. But let's, let's pray. Let's pray about our hearts. Let's pray about friendships and becoming a community that really loves God and loves each other.